Well, I tell you, I, uh, I like the Old Testament better than the New Testament. I'm just going to be straight up front with that. <laughs> um, I, uh, I've been going through the New Testament, uh, the Gospels, trying to decide which passages to leave in and which passages to leave out, and I've spent a struggle. Everything's so important. I don't want to just read the whole thing. So, um, we're prayfully going to go through the New Testament. Um, we started last week. This week, we're starting in on the Gospels. Um, the Gospels are written later than many of the, actually, the other New Testament writings. They're actually written uh, quite a bit later. Um, However, the four Gospels share a place of prominence in the New Testament, located at the beginning of the New Testament for biblical witness. Uh, At some point in the canonization of the New Testament, um, as the early church uh, attenders were putting these things together, they found that Matthew was actually the one that they used the most, especially when dealing with the Jewish people. So it began to be the one in the front. Um, But together these writings compose the story of Jesus and um, the story of, of the church. So I guess as we begin to look into the Gospels, the first question we have to ask is, what is a gospel? What is a gospel? Well, the, 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 there's the book. And for most people, it just means the one of the four books in the New Testament. I heard good news. That's what the word literally means is good news. Death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. What? Good news. Yep. The the gospel. Um, you know, for most readers of the New Testament, a gospel is just the book that narrates the career of Jesus, especially focusing on his public ministry, his suffering, his death, and his empty tomb. That's. Um, Justin in um, 165 CE wrote his first apology and referred to these documents as the memoirs of the apostles, which are called the Gospels. This is the very first time these four books have been called, were called the Gospels in 165 CE, uh, AD 165, if that makes you feel better. Um, when he wrote... Um, the memoirs of the apostles, which are called the Gospels. So it's been called to it before, but that's the first time we have writing of it actually being called the Gospels. Um, it means good news. Um, it's the proclamation of Jesus as King. Um, Mark 1 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, um, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ is what that would be. We call it, we refer to it as gospel. Um, Mark is actually quoting Isaiah um, when he writes in Mark 1 and through 3, uh, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, just as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, behold, I am sending my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his path. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 40 when when he refers to this. The term gospel or good news um, doesn't actually refer to a book in its original settings. It is an announcement of good news. 
the, in the Roman world, the, the, the term gospel refers to an, all announcements of good news. And uh, such as a, ba- a birth or victory in battle. Um, so if you were in the Roman world, the time that Jesus was around, and you said, you know, gospel, you might be referring to any type of good news. The gospel of the birth of my child. The gospel of my wedding date. Because it refers to um, just any good news. Um, interesting enough, the birthday of the Emperor August, uh, Augustus is known to be regarded as the beginning of the good news for the whole world, quote, unquote. A fact that would not have been um, lost as those who express their allegiance to Jesus Christ, not Caesar as Lord, as they refer to the gospel as the beginning, or the gospel of Jesus as the beginning instead of Augustus as the beginning. Um, this, uh, so we refer to the gospel, it's the proclamation of Jesus as king. And so that's what we refer to when we talk about the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ as King. Um, and that this, these books are. These books are biographical sermons. I think it's important that we recognize that they're not history books. Yes, they contain historical facts. Yes, they're real life events, but they're not history books. In fact, only Luke says he's trying to even write a chronological account. The rest of them are don't have that in mind. Their biograph of Jesus, a sermon to be told, they display the life of Jesus and teachings of Jesus Christ. Um, their focus is theology, their theological point that they're pointing out. It's not, it's not history. It's not to regulate Jesus nor glorify his miracles. The main concern is to evoke faith and strengthen it. That was the concern when writing it. Uh, I already talked about that. Did I talk about that yet? Nope. Um, Well, before I get into that, so if you divide the first century into thirds, the first third would be A.D. 0 to 33, about the time Jesus died. That's the ministry of Jesus and his disciples. Nothing is actually written down at that time period. The second third, which would be A.D. 33 through A.D. 66, you see the growth and expansion of the church. You see the letters of Paul, Peter, James, Jude, the teachings of Jesus there might be another teaching they call the Q source or the quell source. Um, and I'm not actually a big supporter of the Q source, but you might see it in some of the text. It's a lost, if it exists, it's a lost text that was before, around the same time Mark was written, that Matthew and Luke might have used to reference from. I'm not a big supporter of this, but a lot of people are a lot smarter than me. So um, I'm not going to say it, it may exist, it may not. But we don't know of any of the Q source. But there is this supposed Q source. Um, the deeds in the second, uh, uh, second third of the century, um, the deeds of Jesus were probably written down in some form. And the passion narrative was probably written down um, the greatest similarities between the four canonical uh, gospels are found in the passion narrative. When I say passion narratives, what am I re- referencing to? Crucifixion. Um, so thus, it was likely that a strong oral and even maybe a written tradition was circulating around during this time period. Um, it wasn't until the third of the, from 66 to 99 uh, AD that the Gospels were actually written down in their form that we have them at now and the book of Acts. So it was 
actually after letters of Paul, Peter, and James, and Jude, and all that stuff, that these were actually written down um, as we have them. Um, so let's ask the question, why were they written down? Why, why, why write the Gospels? So, so people would know, absolutely. Preserve, absolutely. Witnesses, absolutely. Um, so, so we have a couple things right now we've already said. Um, they were written down because the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, was spreading so quickly that they had to write down what was going, what, what actually happened. Um, time. As the apostles age and died, those who witnessed firsthand needed to leave the story behind to preserve it. Uh, early believers were, um, were also looking into the future and they knew that Jesus was coming and many actually believed that it was going to come in their lifetime. But they also would ask that question, well, what if he doesn't come in our lifetime? We need to write these things down. Um, they do contain the, the, the instructions, um, and so that we, they would write that down so they would preserve those teachings for us. Um, and also because um, distorted accounts were, were starting to uh, form. Uh, of history absolutely but their primary goal is not history we have to remember that their primary goal is not history uh luke maybe um but it's not i mean their goal was not just to write down historical Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the writers of the gospels they were not trying to write a history book Yeah, I mean, like I said, Luke was trying to write a chronological account. He says right off the bat, I'm trying to write a chronological account. So uh, he's trying to put some things together. Um, interesting enough, he may have been the last of the, well, John was probably the last one, but he was one of the later of the, the writers of the Gospels. Mark was probably the first written. Um, and... Um, you know, as things they were dying out, they needed to clear and, and and how do we articulate the teachings of Jesus? See, sometimes when you're trying to write a theological book, writing it historically, you know, not even like you know in chronological order, is not the best method. Um, think about it this way: uh, if you're going to study theology in the Bible. First thing you want to do is read your Bible all the way through. If you haven't done that, then, you know. But if you've read your Bible and you understand it, but you still want to understand some theological elements in it, then one of the things you can do is go get a systematic theology, which is a book that pulls from this place and this place and this place and this place and puts theological themes together so you can, well, what does the Bible say about Holy Spirit? And it looks at all the different places where it looks at and so sometimes when, when, and the Gospels were writing these things more theologically than they were historically. So they may have taken things out of order and it wouldn't have bothered them. Um, remember, they are not us. We write very different than they would have written. We expect different things than they would have expected. They don't have a, like, I'm quoting something. You know, in Greek, there's no quotation marks. This will come up later when we talk about Paul's writings. But there's no quotation marks. And so we have to like, wait, is he quoting somewhere else? Where's his reference? Um, they didn't need that. They didn't care. <laughs> there's no quotation marks in Greek. Um, so we, it's, it's something that we have, to, uh, we have to read from their point of view. It's not our own. And uh, sometimes that throws us off. But, um, but yeah, uh, last one I wanted to point out, we've already pointed out, that they would write the Gospels for 
instruction on new converts. You know, what did Jesus, what, you know, that's why we write things down, to teach. Um, faith material. Well, it was the light, the public ministry of Jesus, not the life of Jesus. I mean, there's only a, a small section before he's 30 that we even have written down. We have what his birth narrative and then his bar mitzvah, you know, his birth and surrounding narrative and then his bar mitzvah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, what he, that's his bar mitzvah when he ran away from his parents. And then we have his, hey, I'm starting my public career. We miss a lot of his life um, that we're like, I wish I knew the rest of his life. I mean, personally, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, I'd love to know what he was doing during his teenage years. <laughs> um, of course, adolescence didn't exist back then, but um, we, they didn't, the, the idea of an adolescence didn't exist until... Relatively, uh, relatively later, the 1800s. Yes, and they allude to that, but we don't know what it looked like. I mean, how did a um, a handyman's, you know, uh, the son of a handyman spend so much time in the temple? Um, there's some, we have some questions, um, and they don't answer those things. Yeah, it, it says there's too much to write down. Um, and, and so we only know, and so we do know that what we do have, even out of those three years, are just a sampling of material. So there's a lot of material there that is left out. Uh, because it's not part of the thematic story that they, the authors were telling. Um, that's one of the reasons why we have different events in different Gospels. is because this Gospel is writing with a thematic story to tell this point of view and focus on this, and this Gospel's got a different... And it's because they're, uh, you know, they're writing for different reasons. And we have no idea everything that Jesus did. They only wrote down parts of it. Well, I would say it would just there's just too much of it. I mean I mean, how do you catalog one person's life? Something especially as great as Jesus. I mean I remember reading an eight volume book uh set on Gandhi and his life. And they were talking about how in that they left quite a bit out and I was like wow and that was you know someone who's less than Jesus and it took up eight volume books um, how much more would Jesus <laughs> would you need for Jesus um, you know yeah I think he guided the Holy Spirit guided the um, the 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 authors to um, to a path that they were they you know like I said these are biographical sermons what's the point they were trying to make and they stayed along that path so that led that that dictated and um, the major things they're talking about and uh, we're going to see uh, as we get into the life of Jesus after we talk about the four gospels as a whole. Um, we're going to see um, similarities and differences between the books. Um, actually, I want to hand out a piece of paper that has where things are similar and things are different out of the Gospels. Um, and so we can go through that. Um, but as we say all this, can the Gospels be trusted? And the answer is rhetorical because, I, you know, obviously I believe Yes. Um, but as I wrote this down, the trustworthy of the Gospels um, is even more probable when you consider three things about the writing process. One, the writing process took place while those who had known Jesus were still alive. So those who knew Jesus had 
seen Jesus, talked to Jesus, they're the ones that were seeing and reading these books, uh, or even writing these books. Um, so, the, and we can trace back the info in them to Jesus, to, to the disciples. Uh, three out of the four Gospels are directly linked to the apostles, and the fourth, uh, which is Luke, was dependent on eyewitnesses and those who had known Jesus. Um, you know, Luke was going to first-hand accounts. Um, and then three, I think we can trust it because God's hands on all this. Oh, absolutely. This is, I mean, we can trace back that these were written during the lives of the first-hand accounts. These, were, these are not like, well, three centuries later, someone wrote the life of Jesus. This was written during the lives of the disciples. And that's very important, as we say. These were eyewitness accounts. Uh, I think, and I mentioned it before. If you want more about that, uh, J. Warner Wallace's book, Forensic Faith, um, and uh, cold case Christianity, he lays out a, a, a great argument for for how to you know look for for how he as a, an atheist does found Christ through going back to the eyewitness accounts. And I'll let you read his book. I won't go ahead and teach his book, but um, but um, it was but but the, it, the evidence is there that these are first hand accounts. Um, Let's go ahead and start with the Gospel of Matthew. Now, remember what I said. I'm going to start with uh, each book individually, and then we're going to look at Jesus as a whole. So um, we're not going to go straight into the life of Jesus. We're going to talk about the books first. Um, Matthew uh, is actually the most Jewish of the Gospels which is probably why it's the first book in our New Testament. Because as they were canonizing the scriptures, as they were you know, forming up their, you know, which books are part of the canon, which ones are not being used, Matthew was the one that they were using the most to preach to the Jewish people. And so it got put on the front. You know, that's that's the, the one we're going to keep first. Because it was that, because it was, you know, it's not the shortest, it's not the first written um, it was the most Jewish of the gospel, and it was, um, and that's to say that his primary audience in that is the Jewish people. Um, he focuses on Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. Uh, Jesus is often in a book called the Teaching Christ. Um, one of the things that I had to do when I was taking my gospels courses was my teacher was lovely and gave us quotes from the scriptures and we had to tell them which gospel it came out of. Um, I'm not going to make you guys do that. But one of the things you can look for is what they call Jesus because they all tend to call Jesus something else. Matthew, one of Matthew's favorite is the teaching Christ. He's the, he's, he, you know, he, he's the teacher, rabbi. He, he, he likes the... To focus on Jesus the Messiah. Uh, very Jewish. Um, I don't know what my next slide was. This Jew first and then the Gentile. Absolutely. And we see that that's what happened in the book of Acts. Is that's what they went to. They went to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. And so the book of Matthew would have been one of those things that they were using as they were being spread. Um, the only person ever to be suggested as the author of this book is Matthew. Um, until recently. There are a few people that have come up le- recently saying that it's not Matthew. But um, Tradition holds that the Apostle Matthew wrote the gospel in Hebrew or Aramaic. Um, this comes from the Testament of Papias, the Bishop of uh, Heriopolis in uh, Phygira, uh, who died in A.D. 130. 
recorded by Eusebius. If you go read the works of Eusebius, you can read this. Matthew collected the oracles in the Hebrew language and interpreted them as best he could. Um, There are a few people that reject Matthew as the writer, but it's... it's, um, um, it actually doesn't say in the, the 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 text. You know, I know in your Bible it says Matthew, but that's something we added. You know, those titles are all added. Uh, text actually don't say, but um, but but I'm going to go with Matthew. I think it's it's the most reasonable uh, and it's old tradition. And uh, until, like I said, until recently, it was the only one ever given. Is Matthew the Apostle. Um, when we read Matthew, about 90% of Mark is found in Matthew, which is one of the reasons we know that Mark was written before Matthew. Matthew probably sampled Mark. You know, he had Mark in his hand or had read Mark, and he was using it to expound on his works, you know, as he was writing. Um, Matthew um, added genealogy and infancy traditions and uh, a lot of teaching, Jesus' teachings. Um, in, the, in the Gospels, Matthew's a disciple. Can anyone tell me which one he was? Do you guys remember which, which one he was? Yeah. That's right. He was the tax collector. He was a Jewish tax collector. Um, and he's traditionally the one who wrote the book of Matthew. And I would say so. Um, dating. Um, arguments are all over the place as to when it was written. Um, but no earlier than the 50s, 80, 50s, and no later than 110. They're all in that range, 50 to 110. Um, before 170 is the one that I have chosen, and I like the evidence that I saw for that as I studied and went through their evidence, why they say this. I'm not going to go through all that boring material. <laughs> but uh, I like uh, before AD 70. That's right. It doesn't mention the temple destruction. And you would think if it was after AD 70, the temple would be destroyed. That's the primary reason. But there are other reasons they say. Um, uh, but it was between, I say it's between 50 and 70. Um, but the late, even the latest people, the people say that, that are way late, say before 110. So, um, so that's really not, it's really close to when Jesus lived. That's only, you know, 70 years after Jesus died. So that's... Um, yeah. That is one of the reasons why the genealogy... And the genealogy is there, um, and we'll talk about this here in a minute, but the genealogy is there... Because they have to prove, if Jesus is going to be the Jewish Messiah, he has to come from the line of David. He have to, so he has to be able to prove that he's from the line of David. And um, he'll also claim to be from the, the priesthood of Melchizedek, and they have to show some evidence for that. And, uh, and then he came from Bethlehem. So these birth tendencies are very important that, so that, to prove that he's the Jewish Messiah. That's Mark leaves them out. He doesn't, you know, but Mark's primary goal is not about being the Jewish Messiah. Matthew's writing this so he adds these infancy stories in because he's emphasizing this is the Jewish Messiah. He has to be from the line of David. The Jewish Messiah? Yeah. So he's Jesus. The Messiah, Christ means Messiah. Um, Antioch of Syria is where it was written. Purpose. Um, nowhere in the book of Matthew does he actually state his purpose. Like, you know, like we would, you know, if, you, if you're writing today and you're writing a book like this, as an academic, you're going to write your purpose statement. It's going to have to happen. Us in school know that, right? <laughs> um, 
not uh, not in this. So they don't actually state the purpose, um, but it seems to he wrote to preserve what he knew about Jesus' life, and he wanted um, to make sure that the truth of Jesus would never be lost. That's really uh, seems to be his purpose. Structure of Matthew. Uh, there we go. Um, and like I said, we're going to go back and talk about the life of Jesus. Uh, but the Gospel of Matthew can really be divided up into six sections. The first section um, being his birth and preparation of Jesus, uh, where we see about um, his early life. And you can look these up online, or there's a lot of your Bibles, your study Bibles probably even have this, this, the, this exact uh, outline in it. Um, this is, uh, if you, I know if you're using the uh, ESV, it pretty much says exactly, study Bible, it uses exactly this um, in the very front of the, the Gospel of Matthew. I don't know, not everyone's using a study Bible, I understand that. Um, when I say study Bible, I, does everyone know what a study Bible is? Let me just make sure we're all on the same page. A study Bible is, is a Bible that has extra stuff on top of it. That people, um, you know, you have the gospel writing, and then you have commentators and people that have written stuff to help you understand what was written, and they call it a study Bible, and there's lots of different ones. The ESV has a good one out, the CSB, there's the apologetics one, the faith life study Bible, the, I mean, there's lots and lots of different study Bibles, but commentators have written about what is written there, and we got to make sure we don't confuse that the, the notes are not the gospel, not the book that we're writing, that we're reading. Um, interesting conversation I had with someone that w- one time about that because they were reading. My Bible says this. Uh, well, that's because you're reading the commentary notes that uh, um, that someone else has added. That's not actual what Jesus said. Um, that was, um, and it's because they didn't understand what they had. That's you know. And that they were never taught. That's okay. Um, the second section is a little bigger, and this is Jesus' public ministry in Galilee. Um, this is where he'll teach his disciples. He'll um, parable of the kingdom is there. You know, this this is this is his his public ministry in Galilee. Um, and if you guys are writing all this down, it's going to take a long time. <laughs> but that's okay. If you guys are writing it down like this, you need to know the material. You want to know it? That's fine. I'll I'll stick around. Um, Jesus' public ministry in Galilee. Jesus begins his public ministry. Um, Jesus teaching on the discipleship, on discipleship, Jesus' authority manifested, um, disciples' ministry, Jesus ministers and receives diverse responses, and I put two parentheses there for some reason. Um, is it on there? Um, yeah, I did on my notes. That one has two parentheses. Number five. I don't know. <laughs> Typo. Um, All right, I'm going to go on. Remember, all this will be online. If you go to LaughlinChurch.com, go to Sermons, Past Sermons. You can click on Today's Service. And all my notes are in the notes section, so you can read all my material. Um, so it's all in there. Unfortunately, my source material is not in there. 
This is all taken from other places. Don't say, oh, he's making... I took it from a lot of places. And if you want to ask where all I got it from, I can show you a picture of my library. Um, there's a lot of it. Um, I should have written it all down, but I didn't. And that was my bad, but... I got it from a lot of places. Next uh, section that Jesus has is his, um, his private ministry in Galilee. Um, this is uh, uh, where he, he teaches to his disciples and just his close followers. Um, The next section would be, um, this would be uh, four, Jesus' uh, ministry in Judea, where he's on his way to Jerusalem, his arrival to Jerusalem, his confrontations in Jesus, and his teaching about the future in Jerusalem. This is right before his... hurting again um, yeah future then the 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 I, I guess the last section in there would be um, the passion and resurrection where we talk about his uh, preparation for the and I put fro for the passion uh, <laughs> Jesus arrest and trial and uh, yeah preparation fro you had to get that fro just right um, um, his arrest and trial and the crucifixion and burial and resurrection There is another outline that I discovered as I was studying the Gospel of Matthew that I found interesting. And I want to share it with you because this one I just shared with you is the traditional how it's outlined and it's the story outline. Um, B.W. Bacon um, laid out an outline that it was, uh, and it works, it's a alternating narrative and discourse in the story there's narrative there's a story and then there's talking narrative and uh, and discourse narrative and discourse and i had never seen it outlined like this but it, when you go back and read it this is how it works out uh matthew was writing in a narrative and discourse style so there was story, and then there was teaching, and story, and teaching, story, and teaching, story, and teaching. This is the style that he was written in. This uh, something, something I'd never seen laid out like this. Um, um, but I found it very interesting and um, really enjoyed. Um, so... Jesus in Matthew. Let's talk about Jesus in Matthew. Well, the, I already said the first thing that um, Matthew in, in Matthew is. Um, let's see, what was that? That was something I don't get to. The first thing that that Jesus is in there is the teaching Christ. Jesus, his first thing, the whole public ministry was directed towards, and we can see this, that's probably why Matthew wrote in this narrative discourse, narrative discourse, this is what he did and this is what he said, this is what he did, this is what he said, as he's the teaching Christ, towards his, um, the whole public ministry was directed towards instructing the people and uh, took advantage of every opportunity to lead them into deeper understanding of God. Um, in in the book of Matthew, 
Jesus even ends, the, uh, Matthew ends the gospel of Jesus commanding the disciples to go and, and teach them to obey everything he commanded. Jesus is the teacher in the book of Matthew. Um, he never stopped teaching. We might also call him the, um, the preacher. Jesus had a prophetic ministry. Um, of expounding the word of God and calling people to repentance. Uh, he warns them of the coming judgment and proclaiming God. Um, he's a healer. Um. Healing is an important part of Jesus' ministry. It, um, and he spends a great deal of his ministry doing so. Healing the, the whole person. Uh, physically healing, mentally healing, spiritual healing, social healing. Jesus heals the whole person in, in this. Um, what was my next slide again? Emphasis on the whole spring. Okay, that, that we'll get to that. Um, Jesus is also the most Jewish, as it's the most Jewish Christ, Jesus is the most Jewish in this one. Um, it's the most one where Jesus is, the, is seen as the Jewish. Uh, genealogy, Matthew 1, he, Jesus is, is the son of, uh, of, uh, is, uh, is of David and Abraham, um, which shows that Jesus is from the house of David and... Um, summarizes the whole history of God dealing with the chosen people down to Jesus. Um, Matthew constantly reminds the people that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah that comes from David. That is the primary focus of it. Absolutely. Um, fulfiller of God's intention. Um, there is an emphasis on the supreme events of, in history and uh, in Jesus. Um, I listed a few of these things. Um, Matthew 1, 22. Now all this happened in order that what was spoken through the Lord, through the prophets, would be fulfilled. There's an emphasis that... All of history has come down to this moment in the book of Matthew. That's one of his emphasis. Matthew 2, 15, 17, and 23. Says, he says, And he came and lived in a town called Nazareth in order that what was said by the prophets would be fulfilled. He was called a Nazarene. Um, Matthew 4, 16 through 16. In order that what was spoken by the prophets, Isaiah, would be fulfilled who said, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, towards the sea on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen great light, and the one who sits in the land in shadows, a death of light has dawned on them. Matthew eight seventeen. in order that what was spoken through the prophets Isaiah would be fulfilled. Matthew 12 said, in order that was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, this would be fulfilled. This is the common theme, one of the common things that, Jesus, that Matthew's doing. He wants to emphasize all of history, all of the stuff we've gone through, all of the, the teachings we've seen so far. All of this has come down to this moment, Jesus the Messiah. All over the place. Matthew's his, uh, Isaiah's his favorite. Um. Matthew twenty six fifty three and fifty four. Or do you think that I cannot call upon my father and he would put a disposal at once? More saying twelve legions of angels. How then would the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen in this way? Jesus saying, I have to do what the scriptures said. I have to fulfill this. Um, it's it's it, there's a, a huge emphasis on. The idea that 
the, the supreme, this is the, the moment in history. This is the supreme moment in the book of Matthew, more so than any of the other Gospels. Oh, yeah, and especially, this is, like I said, this is a Jewish one. They are speaking to the Jews who know their scriptures, what we would call the Old Testament. They know their scriptures. So he's speaking to these people that know their scriptures. So when they're saying this is to fulfill this, they're saying, they're, they're starting, all those hyperlinks that we talked about in the Old, what we're talking about Old Testament, those are lightening up like crazy. Boom, boom, boom. Because they know their scriptures. And so they're starting to like make all these jumps back into it. Um, here's a big one. Um, Jesus came to fulfill the destiny mapped out for him in advance by God. That's one of the functions that, um, that Matthew emphasizes. Jesus came to fulfill the destiny mapped out by God in advance. Matthew 1.18, he is ensured a divine birth by a virgin Mary. Matthew 1.22, he spoke to Joseph in a dream. Um, Matthew 2.12, he's warned not to return uh, to Herod. Uh, Matthew 2.13, holy family is, uh, the holy family is sent to Egypt to escape. Um, Matthew 3.17, spoke to angels. Matthew 4.1, they led Jesus into the wilderness. God had it all planned out and was with Jesus the whole time. This is emphasized in the book of Matthew more than the rest of the books. But this goes back to the idea, this is the Jewish Messiah. They have to emphasize that God is with them. And that's not to say this stuff isn't in the other Gospels, but Matthew emphasizes these things more so than the other Gospels because his purpose has to do with teaching the Jewish people, reaching the Jewish people. That's right. By a Jew to, to the Jews, about a Jew. And it's very important that all these things that are emphasized in here are to emphasize the fact that this is the Jewish Messiah. Um, it is the fulfillment of the prophecies of old. Um, there's a word, uh, Hilsgeschichte. It's a German word. Uh, it means a healing story. Uh, and when we, it's referred to as salvation history. Uh, the idea is when we look back on history, we look back with the light of Jesus Christ and we see how God developed his salvific purposes in history, tracing the history of God and his actions and saving people to this, this culminating point, this, this central point of Jesus Christ. And it's a, a fun word, Hilsgeschichte. Um, we have a lot of German books, commentaries, because the Germans had a lot more religious freedom. German and French, they had a lot more religious freedom other than other pe people at the time period, so we have a lot more German and, and French uh, commentaries. So a lot of stuff we read are, are from German and French. Um, Jesus is the Savior of Israel and the world. Jesus' uh, final words of God to his people, he came to minister to Israel First and through Israel came to the whole world, the Gentiles. Um, save us from the punishment of our sins. Uh, Jesus is the supreme authority. Um, actually, before we get to that, you know, uh, in the book of Matthew, uh, Jesus is seen as the supreme authority over um, I put together a small list of what he's over in the book of Matthew. He's over people, paralyzing and suffering, illness and disease, blindness, leprosy, uh, wind and water, temple, sin, demons, nature, history, uh, he, individual destinies of, uh, of all human beings, his own destiny, his mission on earth, space, time, and the future. 
in the book of Matthew, Jesus is over all that. <laughs> and he, uh, this is what he does in, 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 in there. So he's the supreme authority when it comes down to it. Jesus is the supreme authority. Five minutes. Okay, we're going to get through the, the, this ever so quickly. We might, well, yeah, we'll go ahead and talk about it real quick. Sermon on the Mount. Uh, many of you have seen or read the Sermon on the Mount. If you haven't, I'll let you guys read it on your own since we probably won't get through it all today. Uh, but I probably won't go back to it next week. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is only found in the book of Matthew. Um, one of my personal favorites, it's... Um, it begins with introduction, which contains the nine B attitudes and the goals of living, uh, of kingdom living, to be salt of and light. Um, thesis statement: Jesus and the law, uh, you know, our higher righteousness. You know, the uh, five seventeen. Jesus fulfills the Torah. Um, there are six antitheses. Um, that means uh, where he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. There are six of those. Um, this implies that Jesus is greater than Moses. You've heard it said in the book of Moses, but then I say to you. Um, and he com condemns murder as well as hatred and abusive language. Uh, teaches that uh, not only adultery is sinful, but lust in itself. Um, takes more straightened stand on divorce. He condemns uh, oath-taking and commands disciple un unswerving integrity. Um, he abolishes uh, Lex... Tolonis, uh, the law of retaliation um, in favor of doing uh, good. Um, he commands loving one en enemy. Um, true vis verse hypocritical piety. Uh, he'll talk about almsgiving and charity or, or prayer and fasting. and um, he'll, Kingdom living involves the tension between letting our good deeds shine for all who see it and not doing good deeds publicly to be admired. There's a tension that he'll preach in there. You want people to see the good that God is doing through you? But you don't want to be doing it publicly so that you're uh, being doing it to be admired. And there's a tension that that is preached in there. Um, he does it through love. You're right. He does it through love. Um, and like I was saying Sunday, he starts with love. To, to those who are outside the faith, he starts with love and goes to truth. To those who are inside the faith, he starts with truth and then goes to love. Which is fascinating. Um, talks about social issues like money. Money versus real riches. Uh, the kingdom of God is, um, is not about money. Accumulate too many possessions. Um, you know, don't worry, be happy. That's, you know, <laughs> one of those passages we all like. <laughs> we all, I mean, I, I you know, we, we all love that passage. Don't worry, don't let be anxious for anything because of this. And I think we all like it because we all struggle with it. <laughs> we all struggle with being anxious because we've got worries. Um, and, and this has some of the, of the stuff that we're, we talk about the most, like the golden rule, you know, do unto others. Uh, that's 712. Um, narrow versus the wide gate. Classic preaching material right there. 
Um, that's 7, 13 through 14. Good versus the bad tree, 7. Uh, wise and the foolish builder. Uh, that's 7, 24 and 20, uh, 7, uh, 27. A lot of great material here in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, only found in the book of Matthew. All right, I want to stop there. Next week, we're going to start with the book of Mark and maybe get into some of Luke, and then we'll finish up Luke and John as we get to it, and then we'll start with the whole life of Jesus. And that's where I really had trouble. What do I put in this discussion, and what do I leave out? <laughs> uh, I bet the, the gospel writers had that struggle. Life of Jesus, too much for me to write down all together. What do I put in and what do I not? Uh, well, you know, I'm sure some of this happened over time. You remember... Like I said, some of the oral traditions had probably already been written, and some of the Gospels and the Passion Narratives had probably already been written, and they were gathering these things up, and so they didn't have, like, we're going to put the Passion Narrative in. That's going in there. Um, you know, and so you, you might have, like, okay, we've got to have this section in there. We know that's going in there. But I need, I need to tell people about, you know, he comes from the line of David, so we've got to put this, you know, this, this, his uh, genealogy in there. Mark didn't have that in there, so let's put that in there. Um, you know, and... Um, so I'm sure there was some, a lot of gathering up, and I'm sure there was uh, some thinking and, and, and debate. Did they write it down and then crumple it up? Probably not, because paper and ink was probably something that was really expensive at the time. Uh, so by the time you were actually sitting down to write, you're probably pretty sure what you want to say, or at least... We believe so. He relied on first accounts. Um, some people have been suggest that he will rely on Mary herself, though that is argued. Um, more of a historian. He's actually a doctor, but yeah, he's got that academic mindset. Um, why a lot of people like him today, because he's kind of got the same more mindset that we do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. He's got a doc. He's a doctor. He was a physician. Um, very intelligent. Um, of course, all these people are intelligent. The way they write, I mean, just the the poeticness of it, the the the, the effort put into, I mean, writing a narrative discord, narrative discord discussion throughout the whole thing and what I'm going to put it, I mean, that's, that takes some, some brains to put together. So. And God preserved these words for a reason. Anything else? Oops, I didn't pull all that on there. That's okay. Sermon on the Mount. You guys can read through it. All right, Gospel of Mark next week. It is. It's all online. You go to my sermons. It'll be published as soon as we're done here. We hit publish, and it goes on there, and my notes are all on there. Actually, it'll probably include my notes for Mark because it just takes everything I have on my page here and puts it on there. So, um, so I'll be... This will be Gospels Part 1, because I'll label it Part 1. Anna will, back there will probably lay, will label it Part 1. Um, and then next week will be Part 2, and it'll have all the same notes on it. So, But yeah, so if you're interested, my notes are all on there. And if you're interested in biography, I can walk you through all the material, or some of the material. I can't even find all my material anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... 
years and years of classes. I, I'd have to have to go back and find what I studied in college. <laughs> um. No, uh, I love books that are that old. Um, all right. Father God, I praise you today, Lord. I thank you for this wonderful blessing and just gathering us here together. I pray that we just uh, draw closer to you and we draw closer to each other. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, Anna, if you'll stop the...